Coming up on Chasing the Natty, another week of CFF is upon us, and once again, we're here ready to get you guys caught up and ready to go for this week's games. As always, we'll be discussing the week's most interesting games, answering your sit-start dilemmas, and finally, we'll be letting you know which high-scoring matchups you could be taking advantage of and finding some diamonds in the rough for this week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. I've had a pretty good week so far. I have been grinding it out this week on my thesis. I have been more productive probably this week than I have ever been on any week of my uh, while I've been here at Masters. So I'm feeling pretty great about myself on that. Uh, and we got a great, and I mean great weekend of college football ahead of us so i'm hoping i can get all this work done so that i can not worry about anything by the time saturday rolls around and we i can truly just sit back and enjoy all of these games as always to help us out with the preview episode for ctn this week we have our wonderful member of the cff team here at campus Kent. we have mr chris moxley mox how are you doing tonight sir you got a cowboy hat on you're all about it tonight oh i do i am celebrating the victory of our boy Queen Ewers, the return of the king. We are hats off, hats off. to uh, what we saw from the Texas offense against Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, just a thorough beatdown, and the Texas defense came ready to play. That Texas team, they're going to be top four in playoff odds come 2023. They oh, yeah. got a really good unit, and I think that Sark's put it together. Uh, I love this year's recruiting class. And I think you got, you know, they got two, two true freshmen starting on the offensive line and they're their best two offensive linemen. I mean, this could be a really good team. So I am celebrating our Longhorns. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you can, you can, people can point out all they want to about the fact that without Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma is an absolute shell of what it could be. But at the same time, Texas did what they couldn't do for many, many years. And that was just beat a thoroughly unprepared team. And they did it convincingly, 49 nothing. There was no doubt about it. They could, have, they could have hung 70, 80 points on Oklahoma on Saturday had they wanted to. They went in there looking for blood, and they absolutely found it. You we almost get, feel bad, yeah. though, right? Like, oh, I feel bad for Oklahoma, no doubt. What's, they're like the land of misfit toys currently. Yeah. Um, they are all the people Lincoln Riley didn't want to take with him to – USC mm-hmm. and that's kind of the team that was inherited there but I thought they would be better than this for sure even with Gabriel out oh I, I, I knew there, I do I knew there was gonna be a massive drop out of or drop drop off excuse me had Dylan Gabriel ever go down this year because everything from what Nate Marquise was yeah. telling us over the offseason was that like it's Gabriel or bust 
there was no clear QB2. That's why they kept bringing in guys from the portal constantly. The fact that Bevel, as bad as he looked in the games that he has played, is their number two option really scares me about the guys behind him because I know a lot of people were clamoring for booty on Saturday, but I'm saying, like, I trust that coaching staff, and they if they thought Bevel was better than Booty, that tells me Booty probably wasn't much better than him. Booty, Booty simply might be Booty. He might be Booty. That's that. Is, that that's that's unfortunate. Might be the case. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just more surprised how bad the defense is, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really like Grinch as a defense coordinator either. So I'm just I'm a little more surprised from that unit. But we are here celebrating our Longhorns. Yes. So. Hats off to a potentially back Texas team. Potentially back. We can't say they're back quite yet. Not until, not until they like make the playoffs can they be back. But again, that's yesteryear. That's old news. Everybody knows that Texas is potentially back. We got to talk about this awesome slate coming up this week. And I'll be real, as a Georgia fan, I'm kind of jealous that we're not a part of this. Because all we get to do is play Vanderbilt this week. But, like, just looking at, there are one, two, three, four, five, six ranked v. ranked matchups this week. There are even more games out there that are big-time conference games, some rivalries kind of going on this weekend. But, like, man, where do you start with this? I guess we'll start with the Big Ten matchup, the um, top ten matchup between Penn State and Michigan. That should be a really, really fun one. Penn State's looked a lot better this year than I was initially kind of giving them credit for. Obviously, the game against Northwestern wasn't great. That was just a turnover fest. But had you not have the turnovers, I imagine they would have come out of that game looking a whole lot better. Um, And again, you got freshmen. They're going to make mistakes. You'd rather them make those mistakes against a team like Northwestern than down the line against Ohio State or Michigan. Michigan's also looked really good this year. But also for the problem with a lot of people with them is that they and I don't like to take this mindset, but I'm just kind of reiterating what other people have said, that they haven't played anybody. Now, they have done what they needed to pretty much against everybody except for Maryland, and that is just blow them out, move on. You can't control who's on your schedule. So this, to me, is one of those great matchups that will really kind of set the tone for both of these teams the rest of the season, both of them coming in here undefeated. Um, It's a shame this isn't at Penn State because this would have made an epic, epic wideout game. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Chris? And uh, and then you can move on to another game afterwards. Yeah, so this is an interesting matchup because I think... So Michigan's favored by seven here, and I, I just think that's an interesting number because Penn State's played pretty lackluster in Ann Arbor, and I think that's kind of bleeding into this. I still don't like their offensive line all that much. I think it's better than last year, but I still don't think it's that good. I think Michigan can get pressure. I just... I have a really tough time with the line specifically in this game. Cause I do think Michigan is going to win this game, but I like this Penn state team. I think they're a little scrappy. So I'm really excited to watch this. Um, it'd be a really interesting matchup. It'll, it, like you said, it'll tell us a lot about each of these teams. I'm going to go to sec country, the game, possibly the game of the season in the regular season, Alabama heads to Neyland stadium to take on the Tennessee volunteers in a game where I believe Bryce Young will be back. Yes. I don't know if Cedric Timmon will be back for Tennessee, but this will be a potential shootout game to decide Tennessee's fate, potentially, to determine whether or not Hayden Hooker has a real conversation in the Heisman race. 
and then to make sure that Alabama is legit after they struggled against Texas A&M on Saturday. I think we could learn a lot from this game as well. And I really, the spread in this game is seven and a half. Alabama is probably seven and a half points better than Tennessee. But this is scrappy Tennessee team, man. Like just the same way Penn State is like this offense will go at you. And it's really hard to defend the Baylor offense, which is basically what Heifel runs uh, at Tennessee. So I, I, you know, it's a really interesting matchup. They need to win this game. Tennessee will need to figure out how to defend pressure in the pass rush. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. And if they can do that, they can win. But when you got Dallas Turner and Will Anderson breathing down your neck, going to be a little tough. So they also need I'm to just figure, excited to watch this game. They also need to figure out their secondary. I didn't realize this, but they're yeah. 128th in passing defense in the country. Like that, like that, that, that's in all of FBS. That's I think last in the SEC. That is something I don't think has been fully exploited yet by the teams that Tennessee has faced so far. Heck, that passing defense made Anthony Richardson look as the best he has all year. He made they made Anthony Richardson look like the Heisman contender that we all wanted him to be, and he hasn't really looked like that against much lesser competition since then. And unfortunately for for Tennessee. Even in a year like this where Alabama's passing attack isn't as potent, they got the athletes to take advantage of that. So I agree with you. This is going to be a high-scoring game. This is going to be a game that's going to go back and forth. That atmosphere in Neyland, I would adore, just as a neutral fan in this case, I would adore just to go to that atmosphere and just take all of that in. I would love to be on the sidelines. Seeing, again, I wish this was a night game. That would have been, this would, the fourth quarter of this game is going to be something. If, the, if this game's still close in the fourth quarter... That atmosphere is going to be absolutely rocking. Again, there's... Oh, God. No, I was going to say, do you, so what do you think is more likely? Tennessee winning this game or tennis, the final score being Alabama 49, Tennessee 14? Because I think that I, I both think ten- are potentially possible. No, no, no. They're absolutely within the same possibility. This, is, this could be a game where Alabama comes in and just absolutely shuts up the Vols. Um I just, I, I don't see, I think there's a bigger chance that Tennessee wins this game than there is of Alabama absolutely blowing them out. And again, like obviously Tennessee blowing Alabama out would just be the shocker of all shockers and it would change the oh, entire gosh. conversation of the SEC moving forward. It would change how, it would change the, the entire look of the Tennessee-Georgia game down the line. That's the other interesting part of this is that Tennessee still has to face Georgia after all this. And if they do beat Bama, that could either mean they have the, the swag and confidence to go into Georgia, because they are playing at Georgia, to go into Georgia and think that they have a chance to beat another top three team in the nation, or does it inflate their heads a little bit too much and, and then they go into Georgia and they get a, uh, a taste of humble pie? We'll see. They got to beat Alabama first, and that's going to be an epic, epic game. I wish I could. That's a game I wish I could go to. There are other games here. Again, Oklahoma TCU. We'll get into that one a little bit later, especially on the player side of things. NC State Syracuse, a 15 versus 18 matchup in the ACC. This one's expected to be low scoring, but man, um, if NC State doesn't have Leary and doesn't have, I, I think they said Houston is expected, or not Houston, um, Slimy Shark is supposed to be back this week. Um, yeah, Sumo. But even still, like, I don't know if, if Syracuse is at full strength with their health and NC State is missing their starting quarterback, do, do they have a chance here, Chris? 
I don't want to say they don't have a chance because I actually really like their front seven. I think that their linebacker core is probably the best in the country. So like, I don't want to totally dismiss it because we've seen Syracuse mess around a little too mm-hmm. much for a team that's 5-0. and But I don't think Devin Leary is playing this weekend. I don't think Devin Leary is probably playing for a couple weeks because, I mean, that was a pretty bad injury. Um, they could win on the back of their defense, but I think Syracuse, they're favored by 3.5. That's, that's a fair that's mm-hmm. a fair number. Yeah. Uh, other SEC matchup here, another top 25 matchup, uh, Mississippi State 16 versus Kentucky, number 22. I think Kentucky's reeling a little bit right now. I think that they're just getting caught at a bad time right now. Uh, in Will Levis not being able to play, he's day-to-day right now. I think the only chance that Kentucky has in this game, even though it's at home, the only chance they have is if Will Levis is starting a quarterback. Otherwise... There's no way they keep up with Mississippi State. Mississippi State is red hot right now. Now, granted, we've seen them come to screeching halts before. We saw that against LSU. But the the more and more we get away from that LSU game, the more and more I think we kind of think, man, th- what a weird game that was. Because Mississippi State's looked on fire exactly. in every other game. I think Mississippi State wins this game. I think they cover that six and a half pretty easily. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I do too. I, I have them at five and a half um, from Sunday. We were chatting on Discord about it. Uh, even if Levis plays, I mean, I think they cover that number. Mississippi State's just, they're going to outclass Kentucky. Kentucky's just not the same team they were mm-hmm. uh, even last year. I mean, they lost so much on the offensive line. They have a couple injuries on defense. Just They should not be ranked is the bottom line. They're 22nd team. They are not a top 40 team in my opinion. So there's a big gap between these groups. Yeah. I agree. And then last one, we could. this is a game we could talk about later. It's a high-scoring game. This is over under 65. Number 7, USC on the road at Utah, number 20. Utah, a three-and-a-half-point favorite here. I, a lot of people, I have to imagine, see that line, and they're like, all righty, I'm finding my nearest sports book, and I'm going to hop on USC plus three-and-a-half here because USC has looked dominant. But Moxley, what's going on there? Why is, U- why is Utah favorite in this game? I have a really tough time actually getting to Utah three and a half uh, or yeah, minus three and a half. I, I think that's just a little rich, but obviously they know something we don't because your thought and my thought are probably the suckers who want to bet USC, right? Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, Utah has not looked like Utah this year, man. Like they are not as physical as you, you think they should be. They are struggling a little bit on defense more than I thought they would. They got outclassed by UCLA, who I, you know, I I picked Utah in that game. Um, I'm worried about Utah right now, and I'm a little surprised that it's three and a half. I thought it would be two and a half if not closer to a pick. Mm -hmm. It's in Salt Lake City, but... Well, again, yeah, I this game's I, really con- really confusing to me. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are sitting here wondering why is USC not favored by a touchdown or more? Because, again, like, Utah's lost two games already. USC is undefeated. They, ha- I, 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 I think the thing that people need to slow down on is the fact that USC hasn't quite dominated some of their games like the casual fan who hasn't really watched them play thinks they have. Because And again, a lot of the early yeah, okay. season games, especially, USC relied heavily on turnovers. They relied heavily on those turnovers in order to uh, kind of run up the score, especially against Rice. They struggled against Rice for a little bit. And the, part of the reason why they ran up that score is because I think they had, like, what, two or three pick sixes in that game? It yeah. wasn't even their offense. Okay. That was com- it, it was not even their offense that was completely running away with it. 
Um, they only beat Oregon State by three points, and I think they were plus four in turnovers on that game. It's something insane like that. And then last week against Washington State, they couldn't put Washington State away for a while. Their defense stepped up, which was impressive to me because I thought that would be a liability for them this year. But even still, like, I think some people, again, have not realized that USC isn't quite as dominant despite their 6-0 record. So I think that's why Utah, if they get things right, I think it easily clear the 3.5 and, and if they can catch USC off guard here. Yeah, the line play is going to be an issue for the Trojans on defense. Um, they're like 124th in EPA per play and our bottom 10 team of explosiveness uh, against the rush. So if Utah just pounds the rock the whole game, there's a chance that like they play possession, they play keep away and USC can't score. Yeah. That's basically, I think, the Vegas thought around this game. Um, three and a half feels like a lot, but what do I know? I don't know. What I do know is if you're watching this on YouTube, Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, and make sure you are, um, yeah, like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're listening to this on our podcast, make sure you follow us, leave a five-star review, and leave a written five-star review if you can. Uh, we are part of the CFF team here at Campus of Canton. It's myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and the handsome little cowboy above me there, Mr. Chris Moxley. We got podcasts, we got articles, we got ranks, weekly CFF rankings. Chris Moxley has been the absolute OG on that. He has been killing it every single week. I just help him out whenever I can. Again, unfortunately, this thesis is taking a lot out of me right now, but Moxie has been killing it on that. Uh, check out the articles. Like I've said, we got DFS articles. Uh, Chris K and Ethan Sowers have been killing it on that, as well as the prop picks. Uh, Nate Marquise just put out his first of two articles coming out talking about second half of the season regression. He just put out an article about some players who should probably see some touchdown regression. Uh, the second half of the season, they've started off really really well these first six weeks. Second half of the season, probably not going to see them do as well. Broke my heart when I saw a guy like Blake Corum on there because Blake Corum has been carrying me through the Kings Classic League so far. I refuse to believe that he's going to carry me all the way through. Uh, but absolutely go check out those articles. They do an awesome, awesome job on all of that. So that is a spiel. And I think... Oh, one more thing. Um, sorry. It's, it, I'm never done with the spiel. You guys know this. Um, I have put out a survey. It's a very quick survey. It could take you five or less minutes to fill out. A lot of the people who have filled it out already can easily testify to that. It is pinned on my Twitter account. If you just go to my profile, it'll be the first tweet you see there. It is a quick survey on CTN and how we are doing so far this season. It'll ask you things about like what you guys think we're doing well what do you think we aren't doing well what do you want to see more of what do you want to see less of what kind of guests do you want to see in the future just really quick stuff like that and you can ask them the people who filled it out last year i really do take that stuff to heart i really do try to kind of incorporate into the show moving forward change the way i talk about certain topics maybe whether it's players whether it's games things like that i want to hear from you and the best part about it is we are taking emails in that survey. And if you fill out your email in that survey, that enters you into a possibility of earning a scholarship tier yearly subscription to campusaccountant.com. Lots of great stuff that comes with that. Uh, that basically gets you pretty much access to everything on the website as far as I'm concerned, except for just some of the higher NIL tier stuff, as well as the betting and um prize picks and dfs content 
for us. But again, it, it, everything else, it pretty much unlocks everything else for you on the website, and it's very much worth it for just a five uh, five minute survey. So absolutely go check that out. And again, I really really appreciate hearing from you guys on that. So yeah, go ahead and do it right now. Pause the podcast and go do it real quick. Find me on Twitter at cff underscore jared. With that being said, spiel is done. Let's get into these sit-start discussions, Chris. We got some good ones here for you today, guys. Uh, again, shout-out to Chris Moxley. He really helped me out today in terms of narrowing these down for us. Um, this first one is interesting. So, we're gonna, we're, as always, we're going to start with the quarterbacks here. This first one's interesting because there's a lot of ifs associated with this one. I'll go ahead and throw out the players in this one. We got Jail, quarterback Jalen Milrow. Going up against Tennessee, I know some of you are already screaming at me, being like, what, 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 what? No, just hear me out. Or we got Preston Stone, quarterback out of SMU, going up against Navy this week. Again, I hear y'all screaming already. Just hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. And then last but not least, we have Holton Ehlers, quarterback out of East Carolina, and he is going up against uh, Memphis this week. So this one comes to us from at Buffalo Shoes FF on Twitter, and he basically put... If Jalen Milrow starts, if Preston Stone starts, that is the assumption we're walking into on this. Um, again, we could talk all day the possibility of, can't, will Jalen Milrow start? Yeah, there's a possibility. If Bryce Young uh, kind of falls back this week, Jalen Milrow would start for Tennessee. And then Preston Stone, like some people are like, oh, what, what did Mordecai do wrong? Well, there has been like rumors that Stone has been close to usurping Mordecai, and Mordecai hasn't had the best best last couple of weeks here uh but even so regardless let's talk about this as if we assume these guys are starting this weekend moxie out of these three who are you going with so i put this question on the show sheet actually because i thought it was an interesting conversation um mostly around preston stone because basically what you said is preston stone's pretty close to taking that job and I'm pretty sure he's going to do it at some point. Whether it's this week, whether it's next week, I don't know. But I do think he's taking this job. If he starts this week, he is my pick of this group. I don't like what I saw from Jalen Milrow. I think Bryce Young will start. But even if Milrow starts, don't want to even touch him. I like Holton Allers. Uh, I thought he looked he's looked good this year. Um, I think that you know he's... Formed a pretty good connection with Isaiah Winstead at receiver and obviously CJ Johnson. And I think this Memphis team kind of stinks. I think they might just be really bad. But if Preston Stone starts, I, I mean, I, he's, I'm going to treat him as a top 15 quarterback moving forward. So I think that's an interesting discussion. And I don't know if he will start. That would be a little surprising to me. I'm not sure it happens this week. But if he does, he's a top 12 quarterback. So... I'm kind of with you in that Milrow's probably the odd man out out of these three guys. Again, I don't I don't think that's that's a huge ding on him because these other two guys are really good options if they do start. But I do think there's a little bit of space between Milrow and these other two. Presence, if this comes down between Stone and Ehlers, and maybe this is the this is the more conservative CFF player in me, but I'm gonna go with the known quantity. And Holton Ehlers over Preston Stone, as much as I believe in the talent of Preston Stone, as much as I believe if he is usurping Mordecai, and Mordecai has had really great weeks so far, that means Stone's probably ready to um, do even better than what Mordecai is. I'm going to go with the known quantity in Ehlers, especially since 
that Ehlers, we know that when he goes up against a bad passing defense, he can absolutely go off. We saw this against South Florida just a couple weeks ago with him and C.J. Johnson. I And he's going to get up against Memphis, who was 125th in passing so far this year. Now, granted, Preston Stone's also going up against a pretty good matchup. Uh, Navy is 103rd in passing D. But even still, I'm just a little bit hesitant in starting guys who are going in for their very first start. Um, I did start Milrow in his first start last week in one league, and he, I felt very queasy about that to the to the moment that I that he actually started playing, and he he did all right. And it was a league where I was already kind of crushing it, so like it didn't really matter at the end of the day. But even so, I'm not a huge fan of going with guys who are going in for their first start unless it's a system that I absolutely love, and I do love SMU system. But in this case, Ehlers is a good enough option that I think I'd probably roll with him. Yeah, definitely a safer option of the two. Um, that that is totally fair. Not gonna not gonna argue with that point. Navy does. So the reason that I like I I like Stone too. You know, I didn't provide a lot of context there. Navy ranks 131st in passing defense and APA per play. So if Stone does start. I think he could post like. 350 and three. So I don't know if he does, but Ehlers is certainly safer. That is, I'm not going to argue with that one. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our second quarterback comp question here. We got, oh, this comes from at the real Gouda on Twitter, which I love that name. Um, but this is Jaden Delora, uh, quarterback out of Arizona, going up against Washington or. We got JT Daniels, quarterback out of West Virginia, going up against Texas. I don't like calling. I don't like saying like this guy by a mile, but everything points to me going Jaden Delora here. Out of the two of these guys, Jaden Delora in the last three games has had forty plus passing attempts, something JT Daniels has not had. Uh, Jaden Delora has the better matchup here. He is going up against Washington, who is seventy fourth in passing. Um, I'm not going to say he has the better weapons because I do like a lot of the weapons at West Virginia, but JT Daniels is going up against Texas, who is 49th in passing D so far this year, and I honestly think they could probably be a little bit better than that because uh, I think they've just been a little inconsistent. If they can settle down, I think that that's a, that's a better secondary than even 49th in the country. And he, quite frankly, he's just been on a streak lately of not being that dude that scores in his offense, especially in an air raid system. It's kind of weird that so many of the touchdowns West Virginia are going to their running backs. Guys like C.J. Donaldson when he's out there. Guys like Tony Mathis. Tony Mathis isn't even that good, but they're not funneling it all through JT Daniels like we really kind of want to see out of it. He's been on a streak of 10 to 12 fantasy points per game the last three games. You really don't want to see that. I have to go Jaden Delore out of these two guys. Chris Moxley, is there anything kind of pointing towards the other direction, or are you fully with me here? No, I'm, I'm fully with you. I think the Washington defense is terrible. Like, just really, really bad. And I actually think Texas is somewhat decent. So I'm not I'm not going to argue that one. I, the total in the Washington-Arizona game is 73. I mean, they've expected to, a lot of points to be scored. And either de- they're 15-and-a-half-point underdogs, so the game script is in Dolores' favor. I, yeah, it, it, it's really not close for me, and I don't want to use that term too often. But, yeah, I, I'm on the Dolores' side. Yeah. Again, like... 
just just reiterate to people and everything like that. There are no stupid questions. There are only stupid answers. And since me and Mox are the only ones giving answers here, we're the only ones that can sound stupid. Never be afraid to give us a sit start um, because you think it might be too lopsided. There's al- there's always an argument for for every for every player. In this case, I just don't see it with JT Daniels yet. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the running backs here. We got a three for here. This comes from Aaron Wilcox on Twitter at Aaron Wilcox86. He is asking between three interesting options at running back. I could tell this is a little bit of a deeper league here. Um, he's got Nicholas Singleton, our freshman phenom running back out of Penn State. He's going up against Michigan this week. Uh, you got, quite frankly, la- a star from last week. Dejon Edwards, the running back out of Georgia. He's going up against Vanderbilt this week. Or we could go with Harrison Welly, running back out of Eastern Michigan, or excuse me, running back out of Northern Illinois, going up against Eastern Michigan this week. I think I'm going to talk on this one first. Technically, it's your turn, Chris, but I'll talk about this one first because I, I feel like I need to talk about Dejon Edwards real quick. I understand the reasons why people want to run to the waiver wire for him because people have this idea that he just looks better than Kendall Milton out there I think part of that has been expectations versus reality um but even still Dejon Edwards y'all is still is still the third string running back for Georgia behind Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh I do not see that changing I do not see that at, at least it's not changing before the bye week um so if Kendall Milton plays this next week, Dejon Edwards is not going to be a fantasy asset. Um, now the question is, what happens if Milton's out? Obviously that opens up more room for Dejon Edwards. But even so, you're still looking at a guy who's part of a committee back, very heavily reliant on... Uh, last week he had three touchdowns on the day. Uh, he's going up against an Auburn defense that was giving up 7.5 yards per carry on the day. Um, I just don't see him being that productive week in and week out even if some, somehow if he did become the main back of georgia and then there's the other two options here nicholas singleton uh freshman phenom running back had great volume in the northwestern game fumbled twice uh definitely didn't have his best days uh for penn state that day but definitely got into the double digits you like to see that volume but he's had an up and down year so far again the to be expected, a freshman, he'll. I think he'll still be an incredible back moving forward. But the unfortunate thing, he's going up against Michigan this week. That's a very good defense, seventh in rushing defense in the country. Still technically part of a committee. Kayvon Lee, Katron Allen, they're still there. I don't think he's fully moved away from those guys. And if he's not the hot hand on the day, he could definitely run into trouble. Which tells me that we should definitely be rolling with Harrison Whaley over here. Uh, going up against Eastern Michigan, 85th rushing defense in the country. So it's a good matchup right there. He's gotten 20 plus touches in the last two games. Now it's been interesting with him because he's gotten touches in two different ways. Two weeks ago, he had 30 carries for 230 yards and three touchdowns. Only one reception uh, for zero yards. But then last week, he only had 13 carries and you're like, for 27 yards, you're like, oh no. But then all of a sudden he catches 11 or he has 11 targets. 10 receptions out of it and 96 yards. So they're looking for ways to get in the ball regardless of whether it's, on, whether it's on the ground or the or the air. Definitely a huge part of this offense kind of moving forward. It's Maction. There's going to be points galore. I'm going to roll with Harrison Whaley out of these three. What do you think, Fox? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have to add a lot there. I think he nailed it pretty good. I'm not trusting Edwards. Uh, and I don't want to play Singleton in a matchup against the top 10 
Michigan defense. Uh, you know, I talked about how Penn State's offensive line was bad earlier. I, I, I don't think they're that much better than last year, so I'm going to avoid that. And, yeah, Eastern Michigan's a bottom 40 rush defense probably in the country, at least bottom 40 overall. Uh, yeah, I, I think you roll with Taylor and Whaley. I think Ontario Brown is hurt. Like, he... I, I, he's basically the only healthy back, I think, in this backfield who's going to command more than 15 carries, 15 touches mm-hmm. a game. So if you're getting that out of a Northern Illinois running back, I, I think you roll with it. And that matchup was tough last week against Toledo. Toledo is probably the best defense in the MAC. So I, I'm not taking too much away from that because Eastern Michigan is a much worse team. I mean, this team allowed like 50 plus points to Buffalo earlier in the year. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not a team that I'm particularly worried about on defense. Exactly. The over under this game is one of the higher ones in the week. Yep. Northern Illinois is probably going to be in the lead for most of it. It's going to lead to game script that's going to benefit Whaley. I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Go with Whaley out of these three. All right. Next one here. We got another three for, for running backs here. And we're look. This one comes from L on Twitter at L five two six five six four nine one. A great Twitter handle because it's more numbers than it is letters by a long shot. This also comes from um, at SL Rebel Football because he actually asked a very similar question that only involved two of these guys. So I'm giving credit to both of the guys here because we're gonna basically answer both of your questions here. I feel like by the end of this. Um, the three guys we're talking about here, uh, I want to throw out here, this is a full PPR uh, league, at least in L's case. Um, we got Aiden Robbins running back out of UNLV going up against Air Force this week. Or we got Casey Filkins running back out of Stanford going up against Notre Dame this week. Or we have uh, Tavion Thomas running back out of Utah going up against USC. Chris, I went first last time. I'll let you go first on this one. Where are you going with this one? So I it, immediately it's down to two for me. I think it's between Filkins and Tavion Thomas. I'm actually going to go with Tavion Thomas because I think the USC rush defense is actually really, really bad. They have a lot of ton of explosive plays this year in the rushing game. Um, almost every contest, it seemed like they were just like being gashed. Uh, EJ Smith at Stanford like destroyed them. Uh, I, I mean, that is the weakness of the USC defense. They do not have a good front seven, period. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Thomas because I think that he is also the guy they want to use on the goal line. So even if he doesn't get the yardage that we want, he will still be the guy getting touchdowns. Um, Philkins and Robbins just have tougher matchups. I, I, I just, if you want to attack this USC defense, you go through the ground. Utah is a three and a half point favorite. So it, the implied game script should be in their corner as well. And he had that weird, like first half suspension. I don't even know what that was about for, for you, for Tavion Thomas at Utah. Yeah. I like, what is going on there? I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you, but my, my best theory, and I'm making this up completely. He probably kissed the coach's wife or something. I don't know. That was, it was really he did, weird. He did something that would definitely put him in the doghouse. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Cause he, he, but it seems like that's over. He had 18 carries for 80, yeah. 91 yards and a touchdown last week. Definitely felt like we're back to normal with Tavian Thomas there. It sounds like he's out of the doghouse. You got and I that. like, I like the UCLA front seven too. They're actually playing a lot better than I thought they would. It's like that's not a sexy line, but it's not that bad either. No, not at all. And you're also kind of looking at this. I again, I agree with you fully. This comes down to Thomas or Filkins here. Robbins has the worst matchup out of this 
group, in addition to the fact that Brumfield's probably not playing this week, and that UNLV offense completely shut down without Brumfield out there. Now, if Brumfield plays, that changes things a little bit, but even still, Robbins probably has the worst matchup out of these three, so I'm probably not I'm probably gonna leave him out of this one. Comes down to Philkins and Thomas. I am actually gonna roll with Philkins here, mostly to do with the PPR uh, aspect of this. Tavian Thomas does not catch balls out of the backfield very often. Philkins has been seeing an average of four to five targets pretty much every single game that he has been out there. In addition to the fact that, again, Notre Dame, they technically have the 72nd rushing defense in the country. That's not terrible, but it's right about average. And Philkins, I think, does very well against average defenses. He's been averaging 23 touches in the last three games. I think there's a good, again, he is a huge part of the Stanford offense. So there's a very good chance he's going to find the end zone sometime during this game. I think I will roll with him. But again, I completely understand the argument for Thomas. Uh, for Rebel Football, I believe this came. This was between Philkins and Thomas. I think it really depends on if you have PPR or not. If you have PPR, I'd roll with Philkins. If you have non-PPR, I'd roll with Thomas. Totally fair. And we saw how bad Notre Dame was against that Marshall rushing attack. So they can exactly. be exposed. Absolutely. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. We got a question coming in here from Zachary Fagan at ZFagan Thoughts on Twitter. He's asking us to pick two out of three of these guys. He's got three really, really good wide receivers here, but I think I have a pretty good idea of where I want to roll with this one. The three we're talking about here, Jalen McMillan, wide receiver out of Washington going up against Arizona. You have Charlie Jones, Chuck Sizzle, wide receiver out of Purdue, going up against Nebraska. And then finally, you have DeCorian Clark, wide receiver out of UTSA, going up against FIU. I'm actually really glad I just noticed this was picked two out of three because I had no clue who to come down between <laughs> Charlie Jones and DeCorian Clark. But those are my two right there. I, I think it, it's those two over McMillan by a pretty good amount. McMillan is wide receiver 33 on the year so far. Charlie Jones and DeCorey and Clark are both top six wide receivers so far this year. All three of these guys are actually seeing very similar target numbers. They, over the last three games, all of them have seen 9 to 9.3 targets per game. So very, very similar here. But Charlie Jones and DeCorey and Clark, one, I think are bigger parts of this, bigger parts of their offense than McMillan is. And then second of all, they both have the better matchup. Charlie Jones going up against Nebraska is 111th in passing defense. And DeCorey and Clark is going up against FIU. Or excuse me, Nebraska's 106 in pass defense, and DeCorian Clark is going up against FIU, who is 99th in pass defense. But let's be real, FIU is just so terrible that you can do whatever you want to them, and UTSA is going to want to throw deep bombs down the field all day long on them. If you want a good idea of how badly FIU can get exposed in the passing game, uh, just look at what Western Kentucky did. It was nothing short of genocide on live TV. So... Charlie Jones and DeCorey and Clark are easily my two here. Chris, do you have anything to add on that? No, I, I'm in the same boat, actually. Um, if I had to pick one, though, I would actually pick DeCorey and Clark for what it's worth. Um, I just the matchup is so good. And I like n- not that I think Nebraska's pass defense is any good, but like, uh, UTSA might put 70 on FIU this week if they if they choose to. 
Oh, yeah. And the other thing I'm kind of thinking of here is that Charlie Jones, the thing that's kind of worrying people right now, and it's a fair worry, is the idea that, like, defenses have started to bracket Charlie Jones, and that Purdue offense hasn't really seen a true number two option kind of emerge to the point where they need they can take some of that pressure off of Charlie Jones. UTSA has that already. DeCorey and Clark's been awesome, but if he's not working out, Zachary Franklin's going to hit you deep. Um, Joshua Cephas has the ability to hit you deep. They have weapons all over that field in, in terms of the wide receiver room. DeCorey and Clark, I think, will be just fine. So. Yeah, I actually think DeCorey and Clark is the best wide receiver there. Not, I don't know if that's a hot take right now, but like, I mean, he's I think Clark is fantasy wise. I can tell you that much. Yeah, I think he's better. I think he's a better NFL prospect than Zakari Franklin. I know we're, this is like a CFF show, but for those okay. tuning in, I, I think Clark is a better. I think he brings more to the table at the NFL level than Zakari Franklin does. And I don't think people realize how good he is until this season. So I'm glad he's getting his due. Oh, yeah. Also, side note here. I love this UTSA offense because like, you, can have any oh, it's of, awesome. you can have any of those three wide receivers and they're going to produce. Joshua Cephas is the third option on this team and he is the wide receiver 22 on the year. Both Zakari Franklin and DeCorey and Clark are top 10 wide receivers right now. It is absolutely insane what UTSA is doing right now. Yeah, pretty sure I have them both ranked in my top ten this week. Yeah, and you should. Yeah, they're like they're, just, they're, they're awesome. Killer. Yeah, DeCorey Clark's a top three wide receiver for me this week. Just like no he's a no doubter. Yeah. Like you just start him every week until they get maybe a really, really bad matchup. But I'm not even sure they're gonna get one because the conference they play in. So exactly. keep he's... keep rolling out basically every piece of this offense currently yeah. at UTSA. Frank Harris, three receivers, Brandon Brady. I mean, shoot, you could probably get Traylon Smith into your flex in this this week because of how uh, <laughs> upside it's going to be. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But again, just to go back, Zachary, to answer your question again, Charlie Jones and DeCorey and Clark. I think those are your two guys right here out of these out of these three. All right, next up, uh, this one comes from uh, Brett Pony, longtime listener to the show, uh, good friend. Uh, at Brett Muxdogs on Twitter. He is down between the other Washington wide receiver. We got Roma Dunce here. Uh, going up against Arizona, or we could go with Quentin Johnson versus Oklahoma State. The breakout from last year, or last week, finally. But question is, can he do it again? This week, absolutely insane week last week for Quentin Johnson. 16 targets for 14 receptions, 206 yards, and a touchdown. That is the highest number of targets he has ever seen. Is it something that he can keep up? Because we've seen in the past where he completely just disappears after awesome games. But you have to believe if a guy gets 16 targets in one week, he's going to be a mainstay of the offense kind of moving forward here, even though they have other options at other receiving positions. And it also helps the fact they're going up against Oklahoma State, who is 126 in the country in terms of passing yards per game. The, on the other side of this, you have Roma Dunze, who is much more consistent, much more consistent. 10 plus targets in the last three games. Um, problem is he's going up against Arizona, who is 39th in the country in pass D. It really comes down to, do you want to roll the dice and hope Quentin Johnson has another monster game? Because um, again, with Quentin Johnson, we've rolled him out before in great matchups and he still does nothing. But Roma Dunze probably is a safer play in terms of volume, but tougher matchup there. 
Moxley, I'll be real. Is, this one's a tough one for me. Can you make it simple? I have Roma Dunze ranked as my wide receiver two this week. Holy overall. crap. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's he second behind Rashid Yeah, he's second behind Rashid Rice. Uh, Adunze is probably going to have another monster week, and I only give to play with the, like, the grossness that is the Quentin Johnston situation. Uh, just roll out of Dunze. Like, I feel really good about that. So you think that the idea that Arizona's passing defense being the 39th best in the country is completely fraudulent? You think that that's not something that we should be worried about then? Um, let me see where I have them ranked. So I have them ranked 88th, and that's an explosiveness-weighted okay. measure. So they're letting up a lot of explosive plays despite being really good on a down-per-down basis. Okay. And so I think Odunze is a guy who can hit uh, explosive plays. Okay, so that's perfect. that's that's kind of my thought going into it. Yeah, and again, if he, if he's getting ten plus targets, ten plus chances in that game, he'll probably break one deep, and you'll be perfectly happy with him by the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I think Adunza. I, I mean, I I've been toying around with the model a little bit this week, and I, I it spit out Adunza basically on top ten every single time I I messed with it. So, wink, wink, gives you an idea of where I like where I where I rank him. Oh yeah, yeah I was saying, I'm like. Can you make this easy? Well, yeah, I got him as wide receiver two on the week. I'm like, well, that yeah, that'll do it. That'll do I it. Like, I like I like Dunze a lot this week. All right, there there you go, Brett. Perfect perfect uh, little thing right there. All right, let's move on to our flex questions here. Again, got an interesting one. I, I've been I've been going back and forth on this one, so this is gonna be another one I'll probably ask for you to make simple for me, Mox, because you always have something up your sleeve that I just don't know about. We got. Oh, uh, this comes from uh, Justin Nottingham, uh, Justin Notting H6 on Twitter. He is asking between two wide receivers and a running back. You got Brew McCoy, wide receiver out of Al- or wide receiver of Tennessee, going up against Alabama, or we got Bryson Green, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, going up against TCU this week, or we have Isaiah Bowser, running back out of Temple, going up against. Or excuse me, running back at a UCF going up against Temple. My goodness, why can't get I why can't I get that right tonight? Mox, I would say that Brew McCoy is the odd man out out of these three, mostly due to the fact of Tillman probably coming back this week. Alabama still has a pretty good passing defense, even though I do think Tennessee is a team that can probably overcome that. Um, if he really is the third option going up against a team that is twelfth in passing defense so far this year. Is a chance I'm not really willing to take. Meanwhile, you got Bryson Green, who I initially kind of threw out immediately because I'm like, okay, well, like he had a good week last week, but like um, that was because um, that's because Bray Johnson was out. Jaden Bray was back, but wasn't quite fully there because Bray had like ten targets last week and only reeled in two receptions, so that was really weird. But regardless, like I'm like. It feels like he'll be inconsistent, but then I went back and looked at Bryson Green's like track record so far, and he's, you know, he's not like the top wide receiver for Oklahoma State, but you know he's been decently conv- uh, consistent. And last week he had nine targets, so the ceiling is definitely there for him. And then last but not least, you have the ultimate plotter, Isaiah Bowser, the guy that'll get you a line of fifteen carries, sixty-four yards, and one point five touchdowns, pretty much any given week. Out of these, out of this bunch, I probably go still go with Isaiah Bowser. It is a PPR league, so 
So that I feel a little bit bad about still going with the running back. But he, to me, offers just the safest play out of the bunch. And it feels like no matter what defense he goes up against, he could go up against the worst def- the rush- worst rushing defense in the country or the best rush- rushing defense in the country, and he'll still get a very similar stat line. I think I roll with Isaiah Bowser here, but Mox, is there anything I'm missing here? No, I actually don't like any of these options, to be honest. But I understand if you're in a league where you have to start one of them. So I, I guess probably that's why the question's posed, right? Um, I'm not starting Brew McCoy. Love me some Brew McCoy. Um, Chris K, Brew McCoy uh, fan club, president of the fan club, probably. Loves him some Brew McCoy. Um, he might be telling you to start him, but I think I'll go Bowser for the same reasons that you brought up. This Temple defense honestly hasn't been that bad this year. No, it hasn't. That's the concern that I have. Their offense has been dreadful. The defense hasn't played that bad. They're 18 in EPA per play. I mean, that's a really impressive number. They, I mean, they haven't played anything like crazy good, but they kept it close versus Memphis, who, well, I think Memphis is bad too, but that's a, that's still <laughs> like a, a good win for this program, right? Oh, yeah. So a little worried about Bowser, but what, what did we say two weeks ago or maybe last week? Bowser might get you 60 yards, but he'll get you like three touchdowns, two yeah, touchdowns. He'll be happy exactly. that you started him. Like that, that might just happen again this week. I mean, he's just a touchdown guy. And he, at, at some point, it doesn't really matter how many yards he has because you're probably going to be happy that you started him. So yeah. absolutely the safest play here. And I don't, I'm not sure I love Bryson Green this week. I, Jaden Bray's coming back. And I think, I think Braden Johnson's going to play this week. And if he does, then Green's kind of a nothing, in my opinion. Mm hmm. So too much risk, too much risk got, uh, with both those players. Just roll with Bowser, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. All righty, moving on to our next flex play. Uh, this one's interesting. Once again, like you, I, I love, I love interesting dilemmas like this. Last week we had a running back and a wide receiver on the same team. This week we got a running back and a running back on the same team, and then we throw in Marvin Mims for the just for the good measurement here. Uh, we got Ron Cook running back out of Buffalo going up against Mike Washington running back out of Buffalo. And then obviously, as I just mentioned, we also have Marvin Mims wide receiver out of Oklahoma here. This is another pick two question. So really, we got to find the odd man out, out of this bunch. I uh, did not. I forgot to check with Buffalo Shoes here on whether this was PPR or not. That probably would have changed things maybe here. But Mox, your turn to go first. Which two are you kind of going with here? My guy, who I was mocked and ridiculed over all summer because Al J. Henderson was apparently a thing, and all these people were talking about, oh, Mike Washington, I don't know if he's the guy. My man is dominating right now. Just the most explosive, best size-adjusted athlete on probably that entire team. I'm rolling with Mike Washington first. Uh, I don't think Ron Cook Jr. has the... He doesn't have the swag, is the bottom line that, that Mike Washington does. Um, Premier content right here. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Just doesn't have the swag index that Washington does, who, you know, but, but ride or die Washington all summer. So Coming, coming to campusdecanton.com real soon, the, the swag matrix tool. Yeah, swag, swag index. Swag um, index, yes. Yep, swag index. You make sure your guy's over the line. Uh, and then I'm going to go with Marvin Mims because I think Dylan Gabriel is actually going to be back this week. I think yeah. that he will play. And uh, based on the Vegas line, they think he will play too. 
Yeah. And and so that's kind of where where I'm going. I I listen. Ron Cook is a fun story. He's been with the program forever. But Mike Washington will, will he'll steal his lunch money if he wants to. So I fully agree that Marvin Mims I think is the easy play out of this bunch. Dylan Gabriel's back when he when Dylan Gabriel's out there. Marvin Mims sees eight targets per game. He's going up against. Uh, Kansas is 115th against the pass. Marvin Mims can absolutely take the top off of, of, of a defense like that. Unless Gabriel is just really, really hurt, in the, which case the whole thing gets thrown out the door. But even still, uh, in terms of Ron Cook and Washington, I am a big Washington fan as well. But I will not. I will say that I think this com- the decision between these two is a little bit closer than what Mox is kind of giving off here. Mostly because... Ron Cook does have more touches per game than Washington over the last three games. Uh, not by much, but Cook has 18.67 touches per game over the last three games. Washington's seeing 17.67, so they're very, very even. Obviously, they're both going up against the same rushing defense, so you can't break it down by that. So, honestly, I kind of did go a little bit of a swag factor here. Um and again, I'm not saying this is a foolproof method, but I went for ceiling here, and I went for Mike Washington, who just, quite frankly, just has more 20-plus point weeks than Ron Cook has seen so far. He's been more explosive. i probably roll with him out of out of those two. So I'm with Mox. I'll go with Mims and Washington here. What is Buffalo doing not giving Mike Washington, like, 30 carries a game? I mean, he broke off a 92-yard touchdown last week. He's Seniority. a big dude, dude. He's like... 615 to 20 to 25 maybe uh it's his only second year like mike washington's kind of legit i i really like him we, um, we we as cff artists cannot cannot change the minds of coaches we can only uh, react to what they are giving to us and unfortunately if lance Leipold was there Mike oh. Washington would probably have like 700 yards and 20 touchdowns i, I would say mike washington would be the rb1 in cff by this point yeah, probably. Mike Washington's Mike Washington is that dude. He's he he's been really 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 solid for you. Uh, and Ron Cook is definitely getting touches. So if you have to roll with if you have to roll with you know either Ron Cook or Mike Washington, you're not going to probably be hurting that bad. But do prefer Washington this week. All right, uh, let's go with the tight ends real quick here because we are running a little long here. So, but. Um, First one here, uh, we actually got two different ones here. Both involve the same guy, so I guess we'll try to just, again, make this quick. This comes from uh, Clint Carlson on Twitter, at Clint Carlson Go. First one here, we got Seydou, Treori, tight end out of Southern Miss, or we can go with Ryan Jones, tight end out of East Carolina, going up against Memphis. I already mentioned earlier that I really like the uh, East Carolina passing attack this week against Memphis. I think Aylers have a good game. And quite frankly, I think Ryan Jones is set to have a good game. Over the last two games, he's seen nine plus targets. Uh, he's gotten a touchdown in four out of the last five games. Like I mentioned before, Memphis is 125th in the country against the pass. A lot, a lot to like with Jones right there. And Traore, Definitely, you're getting the production out of him each week. You're, he has seen 60-plus yards in the last three games. The thing that's a little worrying is that his target opportunities have kind of dropped since we initially kind of caught on to him. He's only had three and four targets over the last couple of weeks uh, versus the, I believe, eight and nine targets he was seeing three or four weeks ago. 
And he just also hasn't gotten a touchdown in a couple of weeks, which is a little worrying. Granted, probably see the regression kind of come in there a little bit. He'll probably find the end zone here really quick. And he is also going up against the 78th passing defense. So if you have to roll out Troyori, you're probably feeling pretty good there. But out of these two, I would roll with Ryan Jones. What do you think, Vox? It's funny because I'm kind of on the opposite side. I, I think I'm treating Traore as like a... How dare you? Top, <laughs> right? A top 10, at least. I mean, possibly a top 5 tight end moving forward. I just think that he's so much outperforming expectations that I don't think people have quite caught on to him yet. And like, so these are his last four games in order after they played Ohio state six for one twenty and one seven for 81, four for 62, three for 73. That's pretty good for a tight end, especially. And I like Ryan Jones. Absolutely. I mean, he had a big week two weeks ago. I uh, got two touchdowns and was a big piece of that UC- ECU offense. And we talked about how we like this matchup again this week. But I like Traore. Like, I think he is being pretty slept on. I, I Like, his targets are going down, but they haven't had necessarily to leverage him in the same way that they, like, James Madison is a tough matchup for this team. It, it just is. So going three for 73 and giving you 10 points, like, that. that's pretty good. Uh, ULM was a, a weird game script. Old Dominion was one where it was kind of close for a while, and he put up 15. Memphis, a game where, you know, I, I think that they, um, you know, I don't think Memphis is very good, but 6, 120, and 1? Like, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Traore. I, I think that he's being a little underrated, so I, I will go with him here. I'm going to sound like such a Traore hater by the end of this even though i really do love him and i do think he is a top like easily a top 10 tight end option moving forward here it's just i think at least with the questions we were given this week i kind of like the other options just a little bit better uh, and we'll get into the next one here real quick we're going to go to our second tight end question again once again we got Sedu Traori going up against southern miss uh, this is another question from justin nottingham six um by the way, some of you might be asking, how do they get two questions on here? Well, quite frankly, they asked about the right positions because we only had two tight end questions this week. So, yeah. so, but even so, regardless, the other option here, we got Will Mallory, uh, tight end out of Miami, going up against Virginia Tech. And Moxie, I'll let you go first on this one. But my thought process is very similar here as well to the last question. So I don't want to sound like a broken record here. What do you think, Mox? Oh, no, I'm riding with my boy Triori again. And I'll say this, that I picked Southern Miss to win this game, or it to cover, actually. Uh, the spread's three and a half. I think Southern Miss is a pretty good defense and probably underrated. Um, but I think he is a pretty big mismatch, given his athleticism. Like, I like Traore. I, I, you know, he's, he's actually not even from the U.S. He grew up playing in London. Nice. Um, it just... He's more built like a wide receiver, right? He's probably like 6'4", 220, 225. So I don't, I'm not sure that there's a team or a player on the Southern Miss defense that can effectively cover him. So he might just be a, a mismatch. And I don't trust anything on the Miami offense here, to be honest. Like I just I just don't trust this unit. Will Mallory is probably one of the more trustworthy pieces here. But I'm going with the upside in Traore. I just think, apparently, I, I've become the, the biggest... Traore fan in the world. I don't know how this happened, but I, I'm rolling with him, and he's uh, my answer to both questions. 
See, I, I'm I, again. I told you I'm gonna sound like the biggest Traore hater because like I'm gonna roll with Mil Will Mallory here again, mostly to do with the volume right now. Mallory's targets can just keep going up week by week. Last three weeks, seven targets, nine targets, ten targets, and that was all three of those weeks were higher than what he was getting before. I wholeheartedly agree with you that the Miami offense is something a little hard to trust right now. And part of the, and it's kind of cut into Mallory's production. He hasn't gotten the touchdown over the last three weeks. I feel like the regression is coming at some point, though. Like, they're going to have to pass to him when they get down near the goal line at some point. Um, and then, but again, this one to me is a little closer. I, I, I do agree with you that Traore has the better matchup out of the two. Um, so I wouldn't blame anybody for going Traore here. But I personally do, especially with tight ends, I like chasing volume. And I really like seeing guys who are becoming bigger and bigger pieces of the offense that they are in even if those offenses i'm not a huge fan of um moving forward so i lean mallory on this one the other one i was pretty emphatically with jones but i lean mallory on this one yeah i understand so not to, i know we're running long but i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna talk about traori a little bit more he came over to America at the age of 17. He never played 11-man football at any point. He was a goalie, a soccer goalie in London. He played one season of American football, became a three-star recruit, had offers from Florida State, Iowa State, and Memphis. Basically goes to Arkansas State and doesn't really do anything last year 12 catches i'm just saying like this is a pretty interesting guy for like cff dynasty too. oh no if he don't you you i mean he's dynasty yeah like he he's a guy that i think could be a monster in like a year or two like a legit like league winning type asset i he i mean he he's so raw at the position Mm -hmm. just just thinking future wise oh yeah despite loving him already if you, if you want all that information, I think Chris Moxley just ran out to the local Barnes & Nobles and found uh, Traore's biography. I think you might be able to find it as well at your local Barnes & Nobles. Uh, yeah. Shout out to the Arkansas State uh, team page, who was very kind and accommodating with giving me the Traore story. Oh, yeah. The Traore story. I love that. All righty. With that being said, we got some game matchups to discuss here. Again, we're going a little long, so we'll try to get these through these relatively quickly. And we'll start off with our first matchup here. Going back to the Big 12, man. Big 12, it's it's got its reputation back. We're back to just high-scoring games galore over here. And we're going to talk about Kansas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the seven-point favorite here. This game's going to be on ESPN2 at noon. Over-under of 64 uh, points. Chris Moxley, uh, actually, no, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about who I'll, I'll start roll out here on the Kansas side of things. I do want to talk about Bean just a little bit. Um, but even so, Kansas side of things, I think it's startable for Neil. I think it's startable for Luke Grimm. Luke Grimm has kind of really become that top option for this Kansas offense kind of moving forward at wide receiver. So I think he is a fair start. Jalen Daniels is an absolute, absolute monster for CFF. It looks like he's going to be out at least for a little bit. For Kansas, it is going to be the Jason Bean show kind of moving forward. The mean bean machine is fully on a roll here. But as a CFF asset, how much do you trust Bean? Because I'm a little worried 
about the fact that, first of all, he went up against TCU last week, which is a bottom 30 um, passing defense in the country. He only had 24 attempts, completed only 16% of them, or, or not 16%, only completed 16 of them for 66 completion percentage. And he was heavily dependent on touchdowns last week for his uh, CFF production. He had four touchdowns last week, again, on only 24 passes. I feel like that's just not sustainable for the most part. Do we really think Bean is going to be able to do what Jalen Daniels was doing week in and week out? Or do we think we see probably things shift a little bit more to like the running backs? Um, I personally would not start Bean this week if I could avoid it. Uh, and I think most teams can. I mean, Jason Bean probably isn't owned. You probably have two better quarterbacks. You basically for the same reason you said he was pretty touchdown dependent. Um, he actually made some excellent throws, so I yeah. don't want to. I don't want to like discount him. I think he's a really good backup quarterback. But you know they didn't have any tape on. I mean, he played last year some, but it's a new. It's like the offense is improving and they're running a little bit more complicated uh, motions pre-snap. So I, I I'm not sure it's quite the same uh, tape that you saw last year. So. Yeah, I don't want to play him if I don't have to, and so I, that makes me pivot to Devin Neal a little bit, uh, a little bit more, and and he becomes a lot more attractive, I think, in this matchup especially. Yeah, and Oklahoma side of things, who are the guys that you're pretty confident in starting this week? Yeah, yeah I think Joel Gabriel's going to play at least. Vegas thinks so, so that's why I'm uh, showing a little bit more confidence. I I have no idea what this running back rotation looks like. I think you can play Eric Gray, but I, again, like Marcus Major probably is going to have a bigger role this week. I, Javante Barnes is, uh, two weeks ago, I think he looked pretty good. So I just, I, I think you can start Gray, but I'm not that comfortable doing so. I think you can absolutely start Marvin Mims if he plays. And then Braden Wills, the tight end. Um, I, I think he's a startable option if, if this is all predicated on Gabriel yeah, playing, right? Of course. I think Gabriel will play. So I, I, I think you can absolutely start Gabriel Mims and Willis and then probably Eric Gray. But Eric Gray just always leaves me queasy because I don't know what to think about him as a player. It, everybody thought when he went over to Oklahoma that that was going to be just an absolute home, home run and just nothing out of it. Yeah, he's been better this year than he, he was last year. But True enough. still, I have a really tough time trusting this Oklahoma team right now. Speaking of Eric Gray, let's uh, go talk about the game that includes his former team here. We talked about this game kind of earlier. Uh, the SEC matchup of the year so far, Alabama at Tennessee. Alabama, the 7.5-point favorite so far right now. On CBS, 3.30 game, over-under 65.5. Both of these teams, I think, could easily clear into the 30s here. Chris Moxley, pick a team and let me know who you are planning on starting out of it. Um, let me pick Alabama and I will explain some of my hesitation. I think you start Bryce Young. Bryce Young will play this week. I'm really confident about it. Again, Vegas is telling us that he will, and they have much better info than I do. Uh, I think Jameer Gibbs is basically entering must-start territory. There's no reason you can sit him. Basically, any match at this point, I mean, he's uh, showing he can do it on the ground and obviously we know he's a late receiver. I think he could lead this team in receiving this week again. I have no idea what to do about the Tration Holden, Jacory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, how many Jojo Earl, yeah, like whoever you want. 
I just don't think you can start a Bama wide receiver right now. Um, and one or two of them will definitely pay off. Oh, yeah. Good luck predicting who it is, though. So I, I think you just start Gibbs and Bryce Young and, and don't try to play the roulette wheel that is uh, the Alabama wide receiver room. I think if I had to nail it down, I would probably go Brooks or Burton. Holden, it seems like, has kind of faded I would play, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd play, I'd, I'd play Brooks. So, but uh, Tennessee, I don't feel great about it. Tennessee side of things, Hooker, I feel pretty confident here. Small, I'm a little bit more hesitant about because he's had some weeks where like he's had the production to go along with the touchdowns, but then there's some weeks where he is basically like Isaiah Bowser, but like SEC version where it's like he'll get like 20, 30 yards, but he'll somehow have two, three touchdowns to go along with it. You're feeling pretty good about it. So could be it here again, but again, Alabama is a very good matchup. So I'm very, he's very boomer bust for me this week. Tennessee wide receivers, it basically boils down to does Cedric Tillman play? If Cedric Tillman plays, absolutely you start him. And I think Hyatt is a start no matter what. If Tillman doesn't play, I think then Brew McCoy becomes a start at that point because I think even the number two wide receiver in the Tennessee offense is good. But if, if Tillman is playing, just go ahead and sit Brew, find a different option elsewhere because um, Tillman and Hyatt will take over there. So nothing really much else to say there. Uh, oh, tight end. Again, Latu. Latu's still, Latu's still around for Alabama. I, uh, he's, he's definitely still somebody that they're looking for around the goal line. So He's still technically alive, yes. Alrighty. But I'm not sure I ranked him on my top 30 this week, for what it's worth. But we'll see. You might be in a start to tight end league, because I am in multiple of those, and you probably need to start him. So, yeah, good call. All right, going to back to the Big 12. We got the top 15 matchup here. Oklahoma State at TCU. TCU, the three-and-a-half-point favorite here on ABC, the 330 game. That 330 slate, man, that's going to be killer between all those different games. Uh, Over-under here, 68-and-a-half. Uh, I think I will start with this one. I think I'll I'll take the easy one on this one. We'll go with Oklahoma State here. Um Spencer Sanders, I think, is an easy start in this game. Again, he is, quite frankly, having the year that CFF players have been wanting him to have for, I think, like three or four years now. Like, again, I don't know what clicked with him this year, but just for some reason now, he is performing week in and week out. I think the lowest, let me see what the lowest um, finish he has had so far this year. He's currently the quarterback eight on the year, but that's because he's already had a bye week. Lowest weekly finish he has had so far is QB 39, which is, if you don't know, in CFF, that is very, very good. Because, again, there are 131 quarterbacks starting any given week. Uh, Again, he was QB 1 for three weeks straight. And after the bye week, he dropped down to QB 18, and he has already made his way back up to QB 8. So he's had an incredible year. There's no reason not to start him here. Um, Dominic Richardson, he is just not a great running back he is not one of those oklahoma state running backs of the past where it's like he could truly take over the game at any point he is the the guy you start and you hope he gets a touchdown sometime during the game because it's going to feel real bad if he doesn't um and especially with spencer sanders lighting it up and everything they don't need to go to the ground game like they have before but if you have them i think he's worth the start and then what to do with the wide receivers um Brandon Presley, I think, is a start no matter what. And again, these outside wide receivers, we talked about it a little bit earlier with Bryson Green and everything. 
it really depends on just who's healthy. I think Jaden Bray has a bounce back week from last week. I think if you have him, you play him this week. 10 targets in his first start back, I think is a very good sign that he is going to be somebody they want to go to on the outside consistently. Um, and then I think Braden Johnson, if he is healthy, is your other start. But if he is out, then Bryson Green, I think, is also worth it as that number two outside wide receiver. They love going on down outside the outside. And TCU gives up plays on the outside all the time. So, Moxley, what do you think about TCU? Who are you starting there? Yeah, I think you just stick with Max Duggan. Just He's been pretty solid for you the last couple of weeks. and um, You know, this offense kind of caters to some of his strengths. So you just keep rolling him out. I think Kendra Miller has basically taken control of his backfield after a very tumultuous offseason where we didn't know what was going to happen. But... And the Oklahoma State front seven scares me a little bit, but he's just getting so much opportunity. And TCU is favored, and he's broken off a couple big runs that he could he could do that this week as well. So I think you start him if you have him. And then we get to the wide receivers who <laughs> have not been consistent this year, who have broken off big plays here and there. I think you start Quentin Johnston. It's really hard to move away from him, right? After we what we saw last week, yeah. But he could easily have a four-target game and go like three for twenty-nine. So I'm not saying that can't happen. I do think you need to start him. I mean, I I have him ranked. I will tell you right now, I have him ranked wide receiver twenty-nine. Okay, so you got him up there. So I'm not like yeah. So I I have him up there, but I'm not like super excited. You want to know who he, who he's behind? He's behind Treshawn Harrison, Grant Dubose. And Derwin Burgess. So I like him, but I don't love him this week. Gotcha. Um, Tay Barber is an option. I think he's the two, three there. And Darius Davis is kind of their big play explosive guy who's just a speed demon. The total in this game is 68 and a half. So one of them will, two wide receivers will have productive days. Yes. It's just... Who? I don't know. Savion Morrison probably is should be included in that group as well. Yep but I have no idea what to think about this, this wide receiver room. So QJ is probably startable. And then the other three are. I would say we'll Bar- see. Barber and Davis strike me as a, like your team's got a lot of bye weeks. Your desperation. You're, 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 you know, you're going up against a good team. You throw them out there saying, all righty, you're either going to get me 30 points or you're going to get me seven. And it's not going to feel great either way. I'm not going to feel great about it until I see what the result is. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to our only group of five matchup we're talking about here tonight. And we got to talk about the Dukes. The Dukes of James Madison, 11-point favorites at Georgia Southern this week. Uh, this is on ESPN+. And the over-under on this game, 66.5. First of all, congratulations to the Dukes. Their first year in FBS, they are already in the AP Top 25. So good on you, Dukes. Y'all, y'all are killing it so far. And it looks like this is another week where we should expect big things out of them. So, Mox, uh, pick one of the teams, and you tell me where you want to go with it. Yeah, I'll actually go with the Dukes. No, I take that back. I'm going with my boys from Georgia Southern. I've been on them all year, and I ain't, I ain't hopping off the train quite yet. Kyle Ventrese has struggled a little bit in recent weeks, but I think this is not a terrible bounce-back spot. James Madison's defense is good, don't get me wrong, but Mantrese probably passes 50 times this game, which means that he's going to be able to support two wide receivers, Caleb Hood and Derwin Burgess, who I think are both 
startable options. I have them both ranked in my top 30 this week. Uh, 30, yeah, I have them both ranked in my top 30 this week. And I think that they could seriously eat. And if so, then Ventrese is a startable option as well. I think you could start running back Jalen White. I mean, Jalen White has been really good for this team oh, as, yeah. as well. And the game script scares me and the defense scares me. But, I mean, he's he's just, he's involved and he's caught a couple passes this year too. So he's not a total zero in the passing game. Um, I think there's four startable assets on this Georgia Southern team. And I think you start them regardless of a what is a tough match, uh, admittedly a tough matchup. Yeah, but the game script will be on the side of the players you want the most, except for maybe Jalen White. Absolutely. But even yeah, but even so, like he's their guy on the goal line. Whenever they get down near there, he's gonna he's gonna be the guy they run it in with. Um, the other player I might throw out there with uh, Georgia Southern uh, again, my boy Jeremy Singleton from Houston and everything. He hasn't exploded yet, but I still think he's one of the top three options in the passing game for them. And so I think any given week he could possibly go out there and prove it. I think he's more in like the Tay Barber uh, Davis range from TCU and everything, where it's like you throw him out there and you hope that this is his blow up week. The other two guys are much safer. Yeah, I think that's a good comparison for him. Uh, I'm starting him, I think, in one or two leagues this week. So see, hard to hard to disagree. Uh, James Madison side of things. Todd Santeo must start here. He has been killing it this year already. A little bit slowdown of the last couple of weeks and everything, uh, partially because of the next guy I'll talk about here, and that is Percy Aguiobise, the running back there who was injured for a game or two. And I was a little worried when he first came back that he w- that uh, Latrell Palmer actually outcarried him his first game back. But then the very next week, he was right back to being the RB1. He killed it last week. I expect him to kill it again this week. Jordan Southern's defense gives up passing ga- passing yards and rushing yards. So no reason not to believe he'll be productive there. And then the wide receivers here. Chris Thornton, man. He had an awesome week last week. I think he had like 173 like passing yards and then just could not find the end zone. The touchdowns are coming again, y'all. Like He had an incredible start to the season. And then things kind of died down a little bit. Now he's back getting the production. The touchdowns will come along with that here pretty soon. And then Reggie Brown is the other wide receiver. I think this kind of clearly set himself up to be the wide receiver too there. Again, he strikes me more in the same range as kind of like the Singleton, Davis, and the Barbers and everything like that. But maybe like a, a tier above. Again, the wide receiver too for James Madison is always a pretty decent option, but... I feel much better with the starting trio of Centeo, Aguiobise, and Thornton. So those are the guys I'm looking at there. Last game we got going on here, going out west, going out to the Pac-12. And we're going to talk about Arizona at Washington. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about uh, Jane DeLora. But Washington, the 15.5 point favorite here. This game's on the Pac-12 network, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. Over under a massive, and I mean massive, 73 points. There, Vegas is expecting points galore in this one. Mox, pick a team and tell me where those points are coming from. All right, I'm going to pick Arizona. And I think Jaden Laura is a guy, Jaden Delora is a guy you pretty much have to start. And I think you can make the case that you should be starting three of their wide receivers. Jacob Cowing, the transfer from UTEP, who has been pretty lights out this year. I mean, he's their wide receiver oh, one yeah. and and definitely a, a just a solid option. There's no probably no question that you're starting him. 
I think you could start Dorian Singer too. And he was a guy that I don't think was on a lot of people's radar coming into the year, despite posting like a really, really good last six game or five games of the season in 2021. Um, and he's kind of continued that. So I think Dorian Singer is a guy that you can add off waivers if he's still there or um, at least toss into your lineup. I think Tet McMillan has a case as well to start. Uh, they're they're 15 and a half point underdogs, which means that they're going to have to play catch up. And you think that these receivers can probably be pretty involved throughout the game script. Running back Michael Wiley is interesting. I don't think I would start him because they are like 15 and a half point dogs, but he is their RB one is operating as such. So, you know, I think if you're in a really deep league and you're desperate, you can make that case. Cause I think Washington's defense is pretty bad, but I would stick to the passing game more so if I, you know, mm-hmm. unless I actually had to roll with Wiley. No, this is going to be a shootout. These, the, the passing games are all I'm interested in here. And I'm going to keep that theme going here with Washington. Penix is a must start this week. McMillan, Odunze, those are the two starts. If you somehow still have Jalen Polk, and I know there's some of you out there who still have Jalen Polk still on your roster, guys, no, 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 no. I tried to warn you. That was a that was a one week thing, and he wasn't going to be a he was he was not going to be fetch. He was not going to be a thing the rest of the season. And I am probably going to wake up Sunday morning, and he's going to have like ten catches for his three hundred yards and three touchdowns. Now that I say all this, but even so. McMillan and Dunze, those are the two guys you want to go for here. We have Wayne T. Uh, and like listed on here, but man, I don't want anything to do with this running back, uh, this running back committee right now because like Wayne T. is there, Cameron Davis also back there. They're both getting around like ten to twelve carries any kind of given game. This is not going to be a game to me where those those are the guys that you start and you just hope they get a touchdown out of all these points. Most of the going back and forth down the field is going to come through the passing games. And so that's all I really care about here. Penix, McMillan, and Odunze. And then on the Arizona side of things, Delora, Cowling Singer, Ted McMillan, all those guys. Yeah. And uh, one thing I want to throw out here again I did this last week, and I'm going to do it again this week because there are so many, again, I, I encourage you all to go out and do your own research on some of these games. I'm going to throw some more games out here that really fit our criteria in terms of like what we're looking for in the games that we do discuss here. But again, if we talked about every one of these games, Chris and I would be here for two and a half hours. And I know some of you would enjoy that, but Chris and I got things to do. <laughs> so, uh, like sleep. Um, but again, here's some other honorable mention games that we could have talked about, but you guys go look for yourself and see if there's any options that you, any hidden gems that you guys kind of like there. Arkansas versus BYU, Maryland versus Indiana, Northern Illinois versus Eastern Michigan, Kent State versus Toledo, Ohio versus Western Michigan, a trio of Mac games for you guys to dive into right there. Western Kentucky versus MTSU, Louisiana Tech versus North Texas, USC versus Utah, and then UNC versus Duke. Again, so many different games this week. Um, Again, what we kind of look for is games that are kind of over 60, 65 in terms of over-unders, and then you want those point spreads to be pretty close. We try to keep it around uh, 14 or uh, less than two touchdowns, unless it's just a massive over-under like the Arizona-Washington game was, where it's like 73, in which case... That doesn't matter. Vegas is just saying there's going to be points galore regardless. Go check out all those games. Um, I'm not going to list them out if, uh, again, so 
just back it up about 20 seconds if you want to go uh if you want to hear those again with that being said that's pretty much the end of our show uh mox you have been incredible tonight i not to pat not to pat our, us on the back too much but i would say that's probably one of our best shows that we've done i felt really really good about that um again just a reminder to everybody out there Real quick version of the, of the spiel. If you're watching this on YouTube, let us know down below what you think about these games. Let you let us know what you think about our sit-start discussions. Uh, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us and leave those reviews. Um, again, we got week si- we got week seven coming up here and everything like that. Be on the lookout next week for the show with myself and Nate Marquise, where we give you guys waiver wire picks and the recap from the next uh, this upcoming week's games. Mox, is there anything you want to tease out there for any of the folks listening before we head out of here? I will say that in the Campus to Canton Discord today, we dropped one of our new tools. New tools? Uh, it's, not offic- it's not officially live on the site quite yet, but it is a... I don't want, I don't want to spoil it too much. Let's just say it combines athleticism and prospecting in a way that no one else is doing. So it's really, really cool stuff that is absolutely worth signing up and, and for and checking out. Uh, they've done the recruiting team has done an excellent job with this database that they're managing. So okay. don't want to give too much away, but it's really cool stuff. Um, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm asking the wrong questions here and the FBI will come get me uh, or the, the C2C FBI will come get me here in a question in a minute, Chris. But is this new tool that we're putting out, is this for NIL members only? Is it for uh, walk-on members only or walk-on and up? Or is it scholarship and up? Have we decided that yet? I think it's still being decided. I don't want to speak out of turn. So okay. I will I will let the uh, the CEO handle those sorts of questions. Regardless of all, like, again, Campus Canton is filled, .com is filled with a ton of great tools for you, you guys to use in your Campus Canton leagues or your CFF leagues, both helps out with both. And if you want a chance at that, again, I have that survey out there real quick, five minutes, fill it out. You can find it on my Twitter page at CFF underscore Jared, and that'll enter you into a chance to win a scholarship yearly subscription for the next year, and you will get access to a ton of tools from there. Alrighty, I think that pretty. I think that is it. So again, Mox, you've been awesome. Really appreciate everybody listening. We are finishing on time, believe it or not. We killed it. We nailed it. Really appreciate you guys. Again, we got an awesome, awesome week of college football ahead of us. Go out and enjoy the games, y'all. And we'll see you guys here on Monday. Really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed day. See y'all.